Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. But today we're gonna continue. We just started a new series. It's called Summer Soul. And uh, because this summer, I would love for our church to work on our soul. Lots of people like during the summertime wanna work on their summer body, right? You know, they're, they're, they're refusing to eat certain things. It's like, gotta get in that bathing suit, gotta work on my two, four, or six pack, or keg, or whichever the situation <laughs> may be, you know, doing things like we would normally do because if I'm gonna go to the lake, you know, I wanna look somewhat presentable to the rest of the civilization around us. And, and that's great. Now, you know, the Bible even says that, hey, physical training has its value, it's good. But, but then it says, but uh, there's something that's even more important, and that is our soul, and trying to get our soul to a place of health. Did you know that your soul is comprised of your mind and your will and your emotions? Now, I don't know about you, but that, um, there's no person in here that is, uh, I don't know, absent from those things being important. We live in a day and age where mental health gets more attention than it ever has, and it should, it's very important. Uh, for people to be able to talk about things that they're going through, to, uh, to, to, uh, to identify uh, struggles that they may be having and realize that, guess what? You're living in a world where other people are struggling with that too. You're not alone. And that's a good thing. And uh, so for us to be able to identify our mind, our will, our emotions, that's our, that's our thoughts, that's the things that you deal with every single day in some capacity, for us to have a healthy soul is going to literally impact every other aspect of your body, every, th- every other aspect, even of your spirit. And so that's what we're talking about. Last week, we, uh, uh, we, we talked about uh, Saul, who most people come to know as the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds in the New Testament. And, uh, and if you don't know his backstory, you just kind of assume that he was, man, just a really smart Jesus lover, follower, uh, gave his life, literally he was martyred, gave his life for the gospel. Uh, but if you don't know the backstory, you don't realize that literally before Jesus encountered him with grace, he was somebody who was on a war path trying to take down the church fighting against absolutely everything that had anything to do with Jesus because he felt like he was serving God his way, the religious way, and that the message of Jesus was actually going to undo everything that religion had put together. Now, here's the thing. He was 100% right because Jesus came to break down everything that religion has ever put together. And so it wasn't Saul who eventually figured out, I'm wrong and I need Jesus. It was Jesus that went after Saul, knocked him on his can, and he had a grace encounter, not a judgment encounter, not a this is everything that you're doing wrong encounter, a grace encounter that transformed Saul's life and directed him in a new place, a new direction, a new purpose that would begin to be uh, what fulfills the call that God had on his life to begin with. And so you cannot have the the healthy soul that you want until you, number one, encounter grace. It all starts there. And grace was never meant to be something that we use as a Band-Aid to make us feel great that, yeah, we can still sin and we can still mess up, but God's grace is gonna cover me, so it'll be okay. No, God's grace gets you before you know what you even need in God, but God's grace begins to transform you and take you where you can never go on your own. And so we, we got to, last week was all about stopping uh, the way that we currently and the way that religion uses grace, 
to, 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 to make us feel okay about our sin and to take grace and allow it to transform us into the image of what God has created us to be. Grace will never allow you to stay in the same place. And, uh, and if you use grace as a reason to stay in the same place, then eventually it's not grace anymore, it's your own justification because you refuse to trust and submit your life to what God wants to do. So that's last week. You can always go back to our podcast on iTunes and Spotify and listen to that. But this week, um, as I was praying for today, and, I, and, and even God was speaking this to me about three weeks ago, I just had time to think about it, mull over it, study, and just kind of really hear what God wanted to say for us as a church. Um, he took me to this one story that's in the Old Testament. It's in the book of 2 Kings. And if you, if you have a Bible, you want to go there, I'm going to be reading from the New, uh, New Living Translation. Uh, but it's in 2 Kings chapter 6. Uh, always encourage everybody, if you don't have a Bible, then get one. But if you, if you don't, always get the, the free version Bible app on your phone. It's amazing. Everybody needs it. Puts the Bible at your fingertips whenever, wherever you may be and for whatever, you know. If you don't have this in your hands, you can always have that in your hands. Uh, if you don't have that, that's okay. We're going to have uh, this up on the screen behind us as well. But I want to I kind of read this account to you. It's kind of a funny story, but at the same time, it's amazing to see what, what is happening. There's this prophet in the Old Testament, and his name was Elisha. And uh, an incredible guy. If you, if you go back and read some of the, the accounts of what God did through his life and even his own journey of, of coming to be what God created him to be, it's so stinking inspiring. But there's this one particular moment. Elisha is established in, as a prophet in Israel, uh, a prophet somebody in that particular time period who would uh, hear from God and give God's word uh, to a nation or to a leader or to somebody that, that God was sending him to. Usually in that time period, it was about, it was about for, uh, forth-telling things that were about to come. Or if it was a people at that time, this happened a lot with Israel, that they had, they had cut themselves off from relationship with God by turning against him. God would speak to a prophet. The prophet would go and say, listen, God loves you, but you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. And if you don't turn, things are going to go a way that you don't want them to go. But in God's love and grace and kindness, he's trying to get you to come back to him. So uh, guess what? Prophets still work today. A prophet is simply somebody who can hear the voice of God and it's foretelling, it's foretelling, it's encouragement, it's bringing the word of God to somebody who for whatever reason is either not hearing it or needs an encouragement to come their way because God's trying to communicate with them about something. So anyway, that's, that's extra. But, but in this particular situation, there was a, a kingdom north of Israel called Aram. And the king of Aram was at a season where he was going to war with Israel it's always funny in the Old Testament they talked about the season of war. I was like, man, I, I never, I was like, there's, there's fall, there's winter, there's uh, s- spring, and there's summer. But the, man, that's, those poor guys, they had another whole season. There was war. And it's like, okay, it's war season, okay. And the leaves are changing, and now it's time to go to war. But the king of Aram was at war with Israel. And it says that every single time he went to get together with his leaders and they would devise a plan and they would get ready to go, it says that the Lord would tell everything to Elisha before it happened. Elisha would go to the king of Israel and he would say, hey, they're getting ready to come. They're going to go in the back door. So you might want to just tell them like he was in the room with them. And it says every single time their, their plan to attack Israel would be ruined. And so finally, the king of Aram is getting ticked off, and he's like, we have a traitor in our midst. Which one of you is a spy? Who's the mole? Who's messing this up? And all the guys are like, it ain't us. <laughs> we, we didn't do it. It's this prophet Elisha, which is funny that even the enemy knew about Elisha. 
Which on kind of a side note there, um, you want the enemy to know your name. Because then they know that you're serious. Then they know that you're a problem. A lot of times people get caught up blaming stuff on the devil and the devil's doing this and the devil's doing that and the demons are doing this and the demons are doing that. You know, honestly, most of the time he doesn't have a clue who you are. But you should make it that he does. You should make it so that he absolutely knows who you are and is concerned about you because you're a problem. Elisha was a problem. Elisha was somebody that the enemy knew by name. And so there's this prophet and he's like, well, the king says, okay, before we do anything else, find where he is, and then we're gonna go and we're going to get him because this is an issue for us. And it says, so they, they sent out some scouts and they figured out that he was in a place called, uh, called Dotham. Not Gotham, Dotham. And uh, maybe, they're, maybe they're stealing ideas from the Bible. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, and so they go to get him. Now check this out. Verse, uh, which one am I going to? Verse, um, how about verse 13? He says, go and find where he is. The king commanded, I'll send troops, we'll seize him. And, uh, and they found him in Dotham. So verse 14, so one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the entire city for, for one guy. They're looking for one guy. It says, when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. And he said, I love this, Oh, sir, what will we do now? Sometimes you read something and you know that you're not really capturing the inflection of the person speaking. It's like this guy walks out and all of a sudden, he, you know, I'm gonna open the front door, let's get some breeze up here in the house. And, oh, sir, we have a, we have a problem. It's like, I'm sure it was maybe a little bit more drastic than that, but I'm not an actor. So, um, and so he goes back to, to Elisha and, uh, and Elisha says, don't be afraid. Now I want you to listen to these next two verses. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. And um, then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Now, now here's the thing. This, this, this young man, the, the servant of the, of the man of God, was probably well aware that in the natural, there was not more on our side than against us. Because if that was the case, then Israel would be turning the tables and they would be the ones going to Aram and taking ground and conquering and having victories, but that was not the case. And so he was probably thinking the moment that Elisha was like, hey, don't worry, there's more on our side than, than, than on theirs. Okay, what are you talking about? Because I don't think that's true. So that's why Elisha had to say, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And it says, then the Lord opened the young man's eyes and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. You're like, well, why'd they set their chariots on fire? They weren't Israel's. They were the Lord's. The, the Lord of heaven's armies had stationed around where Elisha was an army that is supernatural, an army that most could not see, that was stronger than the natural enemy that Elisha was facing. You know, what I find interesting here, because the story goes on and it's, it's pretty cool and, and God does some really cool stuff with Elisha to kind of trick the, and anyway, but that's not what we're talking about today. The character I actually wanna point out is that young man. Because how often do you and I put ourselves in situations where we think we're seeing what we're seeing 
and we feel like God's trying to tell us that it's, everything is gonna be fine, but how could it be fine when I'm seeing what I'm seeing? Because what I see is scaring the mess out of me and I don't know how I'm going to get through what I see. I don't know how I'm gonna experience victory based on what I see, but God's trying to tell me everything's okay. God, how can you tell me everything is gonna be fine when I'm seeing what I'm seeing? Are you not seeing what I'm seeing? And God says, are you not seeing what I'm seeing? And so that's where we're at today when, for part two of the Summer Soul we encourage our, our church all the time, take notes. This is why you need to take notes. Taking notes, I'm also not really good at giving you one, two, three, A, B, C, fill in the blank. I'm just, my brain doesn't work that way. So when I encourage people to take notes, like listen, when, when I hear, say something, or maybe it's not even something I say, but God speaks something to you, write it down. Because what we do on Sunday is speaking to your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We're not checking a religious box today because we did church. We're trying to speak something today into the atmosphere of your life that will breathe inspiration and encouragement and will build faith in you all throughout the week because God is looking to do something in your life personally this week. He's looking to strengthen you personally this week. He's looking to encourage you personally this week because where God has placed you is not a mistake. Somebody needs to grab that one. Where God has placed you is not a mistake. So if you're taking notes, this is the, the title for today. And, and maybe you can just, you know, gently elbow somebody next to you and say, oh, now I see. That was a practice run. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's 4th of July. People have been camping. You haven't been sleeping at all. You don't know how to do this. This is a place where you can talk. So turn to the person next to you. Look them in the eyeball. Hopefully this is somebody you're friends with. If not, this will help. And say, oh, now I see. <laughs> Y'all are, are fantastic. Now I see. Even going back to last week, you know what's interesting is that one of the things that happened to Saul when he had this grace encounter with Jesus is that he was knocked off of the, the donkey that he was riding, and when he went to stand up, he realized that he was completely blind. Something like scales had come over his eyes, and so he could not see. And, uh, and last week I made the reference that I think it's ironic because the reality is probably that that Saul was always blind because he wasn't seeing things the way that God was seeing things. He wasn't, he wasn't doing what God had actually called him to do even though he was doing religious things. He felt like he was doing the work of God but what he was actually doing was he was fighting against God. Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul's like, who are you? He's like, I'm Jesus. And then Saul's like, oh crap. <laughs> Apparently I've got this backwards. But it wasn't until Saul had this encounter with Jesus, that Jesus was able to course correct the direction that he was going and send him actually to the same place he was going, but with a different purpose. And it was once he got there, after that grace encounter, it says that somebody prayed for him and the scales fell off of his eyes and now he could see. God is always trying to get to your eyes. The way that he gets to your eyes it's through your soul. And so until we decide that we're going to stop fighting against the, the idea, the, the notion, the, the, the heart, the direction of what God is trying to do, we will always stagger through our life in attempts to find purpose in what we are doing. 
We're walking around blind. God's trying to get to your sight. He's trying to give you vision. He's trying to give you something to live for that is so much bigger than what you are currently at. And I'll even say that to those that if you're here and you've been following Jesus for maybe decades and you're like, I've done stuff, I've accomplished things, I've been places, God's used me, I've, I've seen God do great things. I would, I would say that God's not done. God's just getting started. He's just getting started because what he is doing in and through you isn't just about you. It's actually something that will, in time, become generational. There's, there's a line of, uh, if, if you will, a, a seed of Christ going through the church, which is you, it's people. There's the purpose of God is going through the church from generation to generation. And you and I get to pop up as a blip on the map of humanity, right? And we get to have this thing called life where when you look at the vastness of God's creation and time and space, even though God sees you and passionately has a desire for an intimate relationship with you, the big picture, you and I are here today, gone tomorrow. Here today, gone tomorrow. You know, boom, boom, we're gone. But even in that little blip of time, there is purpose flowing through the church that begins to flow through our life. And the moment that we stop fighting the purposes of God because, well, for thousands of different reasons, and we begin to allow God to get his hands on our eyes so that we begin to live through a vision and a purpose that is, that is divinely empowered to accomplish things that are so much bigger than we could ever think that we were even worthy to be a part of, I'm telling you, there is a life that God wants you to have that is going to blow your mind. And, and it's really, it only happens when you decide to say, to say yes to what God is doing. And it, we'll get there, we'll get there. Grace unlocks the soul transformation that God desires us to experience. Now check this out. God, God doesn't wanna change every situation in your life but he wants to change how you see every situation in your life. Let me say that one more time. God doesn't wanna change every situation in your life. That's how we normally think. That's how I've thought so many times. That's how I pray. I've been on my knees like in tears, praying for God to change every situation of my life. God, change this relationship, change this financial situation, change the way that this, get rid of this person. You know, it's like whatever it is. And I'm praying for God to change everything. And God's saying, oh, well, you know, there may be some things in your life, yes, that I do shift and I change over time. But before any of that happens, I want to get hold of how you see the situation that you're in. And let's take it a step further. And this kind of goes back to the whole we're blaming everything on the devil and the devil's doing everything. Um, think about this for one second. All right, God is, not the devil, God. These are some of his attributes. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing, which means that, yes, he, he knows your thoughts. He knows what you're gonna do. He knows what you're gonna say. He's, uh, he's, he's uh, omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. He's not bound by time and space. He's not limited by the, the hand on the clock telling him what he can and can't do because he has to be stuck in time. This is God we're talking about. But, and I'll even say, put some blame mostly in the Christian world, we treat the devil like he has all the same attributes that our God does. We treat the devil like he's omnipresent. Like he's just, he's everywhere. He's not. He is a being that is confined to wherever he is. 
And yes, he is spirit, so it's not, you know, he, he probably had, there's different laws of physics at work in that realm, but he is not omnipresent. So the, the devil can't be talking to you while he's talking to you. The devil can't be on the other side of the world wreaking havoc and at the exact same time be where we are wreaking havoc in our world. The devil is not, uh, he, he's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He's not in your head reading your thoughts. He does not know what you're going to do next. He might be able to observe patterns. Like when my kids wake up in the morning, I have an idea of what they're gonna do next. It's not because I've gone ahead in time. It's because I've seen patterns. But the devil is not in your mind and thinking and knowing your thoughts. And, 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 and it's just, he doesn't work that way. We have to stop giving credit to someone who doesn't even uh, amount up to the fingernail clippings of the God that we serve. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Now, now let me, now let me that's, that's over here. Now let me check this out too. We have to not also not act like he doesn't exist. So we, it's, I guess that's human nature. We tend to do that, right? We, we pendulum swing. We're like, we're over here. I'm eating pizza every night and then I know I need to get healthy. So I go over here. I'm like, I'm not eating for a month. They're like, how, how are you gonna go from here to here, that, this isn't actually gonna help you and only to find myself right back over here eating pizza that night. So it's like, we do the same thing. It's like, you know, the, the devil is not as powerful as God. He's not all powerful, he's not all knowing, he's not all over the place. And so we go over here and we act like he's not even real. He doesn't even exist. There is no hell. There's only heaven. And God loves us so much that he would never do it. No, no we, we have to find ourselves right here to realize he's real, yes. but I'm aware of who you are yes. and good luck. God, I know who you are, and I know that you're real, and I know that there is no limitation to who you are. And you know what else, God? I begin to realize that I am your son. You are his daughter. And so he looks at you as a loving father who's gonna take care of, of his kids. God takes care of his kids. Guess what? I have three of them, and, and I'm not a perfect dad, but if somebody wants to mess with my kids, there's gonna be a situation. Amen. Why? Because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a decent dad. And I'm larger than most people, and that plays in my favor. You want to mess with my, and I got a daughter. I remember praying wherever my, I think she, she's probably serving the convo kids, but, but I, I think either I've told her or at least my wife has told her this. There was a season before I had a daughter that I thought I had made a deal with God not to allow me to have a daughter. Not because I didn't want to have a daughter, because I was terrified that I would end up in prison one day. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm going to hurt somebody. Somebody's going to look at my daughter the wrong way. And this, you know, God's just shaking his head. He's like, oh, whatever. Here, have a daughter. <laughs> And I'm so glad that he has, because it has. It's changed so much in my heart of who I am as a person and, and also trusting God that God actually cares more about taking care of my daughter than even I do. And I, felt, I feel pretty, pretty big about taking care of my kids, right? Right, Jaden, do you believe me? Okay, good, that's my youngest one. And, uh, and so, but, so God, this is, this is God, and this is the adversary. He exists, but I ain't worried about you. I, I'm not worried about what the enemy is gonna do. I'm aware, but I'm not worried. Does that make sense? Because why? I'm even more aware of who God is and what he's gonna do. And he's gonna take care of things. Okay, so God's trying to get to your vision. He's trying to get to help you to see things the way that he sees them. Now, here's the deal. This is how it's gonna change our, our soul. This is how it's gonna change our mind, our will, and our emotions, is that God is not trying to get you to see things through your eyes. God's trying to get you to see things through his eyes. And so it's so, that's, this, is where, this is where the word of God becomes so important for a Jesus follower. We live in a culture that is so, uh, how do I say this? A culture that so much wants to water down the reality of the word of God. 
And, and, and I'm not putting this in the world, I'm putting this in the church. Let me, let's get personal. The church has done a fantastic, in quotation marks, job of making people believe for whatever reason that this thing right here is optional. That this is just some good bathroom light reading when you're bored and when, and when all the other fictitious books that you read for entertainment, you've read through them all. What do you have? I have there's not another book coming out for a while. Well, I just guess I'll check out the Bible and see what it's got to say. Let's see if it entertains me. Let's see, oh no, I don't like that. That made me feel bad. I'm not gonna, let's, let's take that out. That doesn't apply to me. And so we begin to treat the word of God like it's nothing. And then we wonder why we can't hear God. And God is not only speaking through the word, but I will tell you it is his primary tool to speak through his word. And so when we have a church and we have a faith system and we have a, a Christianity that devalues the word of God, then we begin to have a Christianity that devalues the way that God sees things. So instead of us beginning to see things the way that God sees them, we start telling God how he should start seeing things through our eyes because of how we see them. And so when we do read the Bible and we come across something that's like, boo, that, that stepped on my toes a little bit, we reinterpret how, what it means because we say, well, this, I know that's what it says, but this is what it means to me. And so what God is trying to get at at the heart of his church is he's trying to get us to understand, number one, that we're people. He's like, you're people, you're the creation. I'm God, I'm the creator. You're here because I spoke. You have breath because I breathed. You have sight because I gave light. And God's trying to bring us back to a place where I don't, I don't wanna be a Bible thumper. Thump your dang on Bible. Open your daggone Bible and begin to see what God says because you'll read, when you meet the God of the Bible, you will understand that it's not a book of religion. You'll begin to see the real character of God. God is not a God of harsh anger and judgment and just constantly wanting to beat everybody down because they don't measure up to his standard. You will begin to see that he is a God of love and grace, a God of purpose, a God that didn't create you by accident, regardless of what people have told you about your life. You were born on purpose with purpose. Okay. All right, so there's perspective is an interesting thing, right? Because five people can look at one picture uh, and see five different things. Five people can come to church. I mean, we could do a survey of everyone that's here and you could come in and say, this is what I'm expecting. And when you leave, you can be surveyed again. This is what I got out of today. And there could be a plethora, I'm gonna use that word a lot, a plethora of opinions on what you got out of today or whether it was good or whether it was eh or whether it was I've seen better. You know, we can all have our different perspectives based on our own reality because your perspective is determined by your reality. It just is, that's the way humanity works. And so what God is trying to get us to see is he's trying to get us to see his reality. Now let me, I'm gonna go to one more verse here to wrap things up. And uh, we, might, we might have to continue this next week because there's some good things that we're not getting to. But check this out. I love this is a, a beautiful passage in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. And uh, in the prophet Isaiah, again, he, he's, he's getting a word from God. He's speaking it to Israel. But this, this 100% will, will lay into you and I and to our life and to how we see things. In verse 27, it says, Oh, oh Jacob, how can you say that the Lord does not, uh, does not 
see your troubles. Oh, Israel, how can you say that God ignores your rights? I'm gonna think over here because I went with a different translation. My apologies. Um, can, I, can I start that one over? Okay. Why would you ever complain, O oh, Jacob, or whine, Israel, saying, God has lost track of me? He doesn't care what happens to me. Uh, you don't know anything. You haven't been listening. Anybody ever done that? I'm guilty. I've, I've said that to God before quite a few times. Um, God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He is creator of all that you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out. He doesn't pause to catch his breath. I'm so grateful. And he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired. He gives fresh strength to dropouts. For even young people uh, tire and drop out. Young folk, I think this is a Southern translation, in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God, who wait upon God, if you... It's okay to write in your Bible, I want you to know that, by the way. Underline, wait upon God. Um, get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and they don't get tired. They walk and they don't lag behind. Now check this out. Keep that portion up there. Uh, they, waiting upon God is gonna be the key to you seeing things differently. We, we live in a culture where everything is instant. Uh, even our social media is called instant, Instagram. We have microwaves so that we can have instant food. We have, uh, uh, everything is, is live response. People are committing crimes on Facebook Live, so there's not even the chance to filter or to shield or to hide. Uh, it's everything's right in front of our face. When you have a thought, our first inclination is to post it on Facebook and not press pause and think about what's going on before we decide to put all of our uh, internal relational vomit in front of the world to see. We begin to, to shame and defame people that upset us publicly before we even think about the implication of what's gonna happen after we say what we say. And so there's, there's this thing about seeing, I can't see things the way that God sees if I just instantly react to everything in my life. Everything that makes me upset, boom, I'm gonna let people know I'm upset. Everything that goes against my opinion, boom, I'm gonna let them know that their opinion is wrong and my opinion's right because I don't have time to think about it and pause. But God's saying, listen, there's more going on here than you see. There's more happening than you even perceive. And I want you to see it, but you can't see it yet because you're too clouded by your own pride and your own sin and your own stubbornness. So what should I do? Wait, wait, for what? Wait for the Lord, wait upon the Lord. What's gonna happen when I wait upon the Lord? Well. I don't know about you, but when you're in your most compromised state and you're mad, you're upset, you're frustrated, uh, you're tempted, whatever it may be, there's not a whole lot of strength in it. There might be some adrenaline in it, but guess what happens to adrenaline? Fades. There's not a lot of strength. Wait upon the Lord and let God renew your strength. Now check this out. This is my favorite thing. It says it will, it will rise you up on wings like eagles. What do we always think about when we think about eagles outside of America? Let's think bigger than ourselves for a moment. They're up high. You know what's cool about being up high? You see things differently. God wants to put you, some translations kind of word it in a way where it says, it kind of makes you think that God's taking you and placing you on an eagle and being taken to a place of higher perspective. Some translations say it to where it kind of makes you uh, feel like you are the eagle and because of God's perspective, you get to see things differently. Either way, they both work. Either way, God's trying to get you to a higher place. So we were camping this whole time, 
And this is about what I'm talking about. We were camping, and, and you ever heard this, this, the phrase, because I grew up in the South, and we have sayings that don't mean anything, but we say them all the time. And, uh, but one of them that does make sense, but it took me a while, is that you know, my dad always used to say, well, sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. Anyone ever heard that? He's like, what? You can't see the what the what? What does that mean? And I was like, oh, I get it, because you're in it. Like you're in it in the moment. And because you're in it, even though you're surrounded by it, you can't really see what you're in. And like you're surrounded by trees, but you can't see the forest. And, and so where we were, there was a lake. And so we went out on this lake and, and all of a sudden you're removed from the, the trees and, and the little, the dirt paths and, and the spider webs that you walk into. I don't, know if that's a tall, I don't know if that's a tall people problem or what. I'm just constantly just walking and bam, spider web right in my face. I was like, no one else cleared that for me. Okay, I guess not. Anyway, and uh, so like, you're like, you know, insects, you don't, you're trying not to get stung and, and uh, it's a little muddy and some dust is kicking off and, and you lose the reality of the beauty that you're surrounded by. And so we go out in the lake and we're on this boat and looking around and all of a sudden you're like, this is, wow, this is beautiful. This is incredible. Look at God's creation. This is, but you can't see it when you're in the forest. So how, how do you, how do you get past that? You have to, you have to elevate you have to elevate. You have to go higher. And that's only going to be something that gets done when you learn to wait on the Lord. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.